you need to send it to Just click, click invite, invite, send. In three, two, one. Well, we are live on Spreaker.com with a very new but already uh, deep friendship with Ricky the Kid. Ricky, uh, first of all, thanks for joining me tonight, and I, I'm so glad to reconnect. We're asking for permission to record. Okay. <clears throat> Go ahead, my man. I was right. uh, trying to push uh, a button and I still needed permission, but go ahead. No worries. Uh, Ricky, you are here with us, so it's very cool to have you once again. And um, how you been? You know, since we last talked, there's been a lot of stuff going on. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, yeah, I, I, on the 4th of July weekend, because this was your first free 4th of July. So I got to ask, how was yeah. it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it, it was real good. It, it felt liberating. Mm -hmm. And we celebrate the 4th of July. Millions, millions of us celebrate the 4th of July. It symbolizes uh, liberty. Mm -hmm. um, and I think many people celebrate the 4th without full, just mechanically, I believe, without fully understanding why we, even as a country, is supporting the 4th of July. Uh, I don't think they fully understand that, but to take it a couple layers deeper. Sure. When you lose a freedom that you was never supposed to lose in the first place, and you get it back, mm. it's special. It's special. So mine's was uh, both. I understand why as a country we celebrate, but I also understood personally why it was important to celebrate july 4th as freedom day so ricky this is your great. second time fireworks here. first time in many many years and it was spectacular ricky this is your second time back and for those maybe not familiar with your story why don't you give a quick uh, background just so people are a little more acclimated to why freedom means so much to you absolutely so uh recently exonerated well finally exonerated uh, after 23 years and three months, last year, August 15th, 2019, I was finally exonerated and sent home uh, after a judge ruled by clear and convincing evidence that I was indeed innocent, uh, that the prosecutor did withhold key evidence, and that the uh, state witness uh, had re recanted. Really, he was lying. In fact, he admitted that he was lying to be safe from who he actually saw commit the crime. Mm. Uh, and I was released. I, I, I was finally able to come home. 23 years of a dream, 23 years of a reality that I felt I could reach, I can get to if I just held on. I did that, Alex, and now I'm home. Um, since I've been home, it's been a year. August, right. just in a short few days, it'll be a year officially. Uh, I'm counting it as a year, basically. Um, but in that last year, I, I, I just hit the ground running. I knew that I wanted to turn my negative into a positive, that I wanted to use my life to make a difference in others. And that is what we've been doing over here with my platform, I Am Resilience. And by the way, it's so cool. We both are wearing the same shirt. I had mentioned the last time yes. I was going to get one, and here we go, you know? So we just got to show it and and embrace it, right? I think that's something to me I've never really felt to embrace, right? I never – I roll it on one leg like it's second nature because it is. So that doesn't feel resilient. But, you know, with all the stuff I've been going through medically recently, I'm like, yeah. 
I've gone through quite some and I'm proud of where I am today. So I think you're helping me feel that inspiration. So thank you, Ricky. But I got to I got to say we may not talk as much, but I've been following you, man. You are Alex, can you I'm I'm having a little difficult uh, uh time hearing you and then we're also live on our end, right? And I I was just hope I was wondering if you can amplify is there a way that you can amplify your voice on your end so sure. it can project a little bit more over here. Uh the, how about this? Is it a little louder? I'm I'm a little more on mic now. Uh it's pretty much about the same, but a little bit better. We have the volume all the way up on this end. I'm gonna mute and turn it back up and see. Maybe the gain. Uh and I appreciate that you guys are going live with us on Facebook tonight. Um, yeah, and if you could just give me a second, actually, before you ask the next question, let me turn to my camera real quick and let sure. the audience know over here what we're doing, if sure. that's okay. And sure then thing. we'll kind of pivot, kind of pivot back and forth, if that's all right with you. Everybody, thank you for tuning in uh, tonight, Freedom Lap 2020, where we are are are, are traveling over uh, 4,500 miles across 11 states raising awareness about wrongful convictions here in America. My one-year anniversary is a few days away. I wanted to market, not necessarily celebrate it, but market by raising awareness of other individuals wrongfully convicted across the country. We have eight more states. Even though we're in day 10, we have eight more states to hit. We're going to be hitting those states, unpacking the facts as it relates to each state's contribution to the wrongful conviction crisis we experience here in America. Tonight, I am having the honor and the privilege to uh, do an event with my uh, a friend here, Alex Garrett. Um, we had interviewed before, rather he had interviewed me, interviewed me before a few months back. It was a great interaction. Uh, he sure. asked me to come on again. Of course, I was happy to do so. I wanted to take you guys with me tonight. And if you can hear or let us know, Don, let us know if we can hear. If you guys can't hear, then we'll just go ahead and just let you stick around for a bit, but we'll close out what we're doing on our end, and Alex can, and I can go ahead and continue to talk, and then we'll just make this uh, interaction available to you later. But I just wanted to go live with you guys because that's what we've been doing, and I know you look forward to some of these conversations when it comes to injustice. So, Go ahead, Alex, my friend. Well, Ricky and I adjusted my mic a little bit, and uh, that is a very cool introduction. So thank you for that on your sure. Facebook Live. But, um, I, I, you know, we talk here and there, but I've been following you. You're partnering up with the NBA. You are doing these Freedom Lab tours everywhere. So i got to ask, first of all, how the NBA uh, whole thing turn up? What was that like? Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. The NBA is partners, uh, with, not with me, I wish directly, uh, <laughs> maybe we can really get some things going, but they are, are partners with the Innocence Network, the Innocence Network all across the country. They, them, the staff, players all support the work that we're doing out here. They have reached out to the Innocence Network and, um, and then the Innocence Network had reached out to a bunch of us and cool. said, hey, we have 32 tickets that the NBA is offering for you guys if you want to attend the OKC and Utah Jazz game virtually on August the 1st, 2020. August the 1st, 2020, of course, was the day that I was launching 
Freedom Lap 2020. Wow. It was so exciting. I did not know that I would actually get a ticket. There were so many. It, it was an overwhelming response. There was only 32 tickets available. Sure. So I didn't even think that I would get a ticket, but I did. Uh, and then so on our way heading out of Missouri, we stopped at Columbia because I had to be set up right uh, as they had requested. And then Don and I was able to go to my first NBA game ever in person and as a free man. Yes, absolutely. In person. It so was you were in phenomenal. the Orlando bubble. I'm sorry. You were in the bubble with the team like you were you were at the arena or where exactly were you to watch the game? We so we, I was watching on my computer, uh, and so it was 21 exonerees, 21 exonerees from across the country and 11 staff officials from the Innocence Network. And what happened is they got this, uh, I guess this is how it's going now, virtually. When you get a ticket, you got to log in. Um, there's certain specific things that you have to do, and then they'll take the backdrop like I have now, and when you push join together, it puts us in seats. It puts us in seats. And so half over here, we are all together watching the game over here while we in seats. And the players actually get to see, as they dribble up and down the court, they actually get to see us as fans in the crowd. And they actually get to hear us. They wanted us to participate. Wow. They wanted us to talk. They wanted us to cheer. It was really like being at the game, short of physically being at the game. I know that that sounds really awesome, and VR is kind of a big deal yeah. these days. So that was that's pretty cool. <clears throat> you know what's interesting is in New York here, the Brooklyn Nets are just winning one by one. I'm like, where'd this team come from? You know, they've had ups and downs, but in Brooklyn, they they're doing something. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, what do you think then of the NBA's messaging? How they've been doing this? How they've been handling justice, injustice? What What are your thoughts on that? <sighs> From the uh, information that I've been receiving, I think they're doing a good job. Uh, I think they're leaning in and that they are allowing their players uh, and then everybody associated with the league to be able to have freedom of expression. Uh, even during the game that I was in attendance to, um, they spoke out. Before it started, they had a nice little video roll of Black Lives Matter uh, uh, and then players answering how they feel about what's going on across our country. I like that they are allowing them to speak up, speak out without penalizing any individual. So I really appreciate that coming from the league there. That That is pretty cool. Now, you were courtside, so uh, virtually, of course. But did they, like, kind of stop playing and say, hey, we've got these folks watching the game with us tonight? Did they do any recognition like that? The they did not do that. They did not do that. But as I understood, they were aware. The uh, players were aware that we was there. So uh, that was pretty unique and pretty cool. So I even put took some of it. Uh, we recorded some of it, and it's actually posted up. I think that's where you may have saw some of it at uh, sure. Ricky Kid IR on Facebook. So pretty neat experience, short of actually being in the game, especially in light of COVID and what's uh, what COVID has forced us to uh, adjust to. Ricky Kidd is who I'm talking with here on Spreaker, and this will be on my YouTube channel as well. I am Resilience, Resilience Mode. Um, Ricky, you, you've been free for now almost a year, and yeah. you're not resting on that laurel. What I mean by that is 
You're not just saying, well, I'm free, so I'm not going to worry about anything else. No, I've seen you on courthouse steps fighting for others' Uh freedom. And so what's that like when you're on the courthouse fighting for others who have been wrongly uh, convicted uh, and you're sitting on the steps fighting for them? Yeah. Uh, It means a lot to me. One of the things that I wanted to do was take my negative and turn it into a positive. That was so important to me. And I wanted to use my life to make a difference in others. I stood over this when I was on the inside. I could not wait. Speaking of game, I felt like an NBA player waiting to get put in the game, mm. tired of sitting on the bench. Put me in the game, coach. Give me the ball. I want to shoot a couple shots. Bam, baskets. Uh, I was so driven by the underlying conditions that caused mine and many others wrongful convictions. I couldn't wait to get out here. And when I finally got out here, that's exactly what I've been doing. It feels invigorating. It feels therapeutic. It feels meaningful. It feels rewarding. And I want to honor the work of those individuals who stuck behind me and pushed me out the door. I feel obligated now, not from a pressure point of view, but from a pleasure point of view, a pleasurable obligation to go out there and help other innocent individuals enjoy the very freedom that I find myself enjoying right now. That's what it means to me, Alex. Uh, how many courthouses would you say you've, you've been to to fight for others' freedoms? I have been to, um, I went to, as uh, soon as I came home a month out, I went to Jonathan Irons uh, hearing to support uh, him and be there for him, that is the only courthouse uh, to support as far as going inside a courthouse. I mm. went and testified in early March before COVID hit in the state of Missouri at the House in front of legislators about the compensation needed for exonerees coming home. Uh, those are the only two official buildings that I've been in in that sense. I have sat down with panels that consisted of uh, prosecutors that consisted of, uh, of of chief of police and um, those type of individuals where we've been able to talk about unchecked bias, what needs to be done, what we can do to uh, uh, turn this uh, cruise ship, this big old cruise ship around and, and, and get it heading and get it heading in the sure. direction it needs to be going. So Ricky, I, I didn't know that you testified at uh, Missouri's capital. So where can people find that testimony? Maybe it'll help people understand the situation even better if they see exactly what you're talking about with that specific topic. Yeah. They didn't allow us uh, to have cameras uh, inside of the hearing. As I understand, I was new. At least I didn't turn mine on, but you can find uh, Trish Bushnell. She's the legal director of the innocence project uh, here in this or back there in Kansas city in that region. And Trish Bushnell and I uh, drove down to the Capitol we did get some footage walking down the hallway. We did get some pictures uh, with the uh, state rep, uh, Lakeisha Bosley, I believe her name is. And then with the senator, uh, 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 Senator uh, Runnels, um, who was so gracious enough to introduce me to the floor uh, as a guest. And, and got a, he, gave, he gave a formal introduction and we got a great round of applause. Uh, some of that footage... Uh, I believe is already on uh, our social media. So we have to just go back and see where, where it fits within the timeline, but it's definitely out there. Ricky, I know that since we last talked, Kansas city has actually undergone a very shaken 
events of a four-year-old being shot and killed, and now they have Operation Legend. I mean, how do you think the community relations is going right now um, as far as protecting your home in Kansas City? I, I'm not sure that we have made real progress. Okay. I do believe that conversations has began to take place. Um, I, I, I think things have happened in the state of Missouri, Kansas City, where people are understanding more from both sides that there is an obligation for community and then that there's an obligation for the uh, law enforcement side. From what I sense and feel, from what comes down the pipeline and makes it to me that we're having intelligent discussions about how to move forward I had an opportunity to co-moderate with the ACLU of Missouri uh, not long ago with uh, Justice Gatson over there. And we was able to sit down with uh, a prosecutor, uh, Jean Peters-Baker. She's the current prosecutor down there. And then Tracy Chapel Vic, who is running to become the next prosecutor, the district attorney out of uh, Jackson County in Kansas City, Missouri. We had a real intellectual dialogue about what should be done uh, and how things should look moving forward. I did sit down with KSHB 41 News. We did an interview during the midst of the uh, uh, picketing and uh, 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 rioting, unfortunately rioting. Um, The peaceful protesters made much sense. It's our constitutional right. Some of the disruptions, I'm not in agreement with, but I was able to sit down with KSHB 41 News and then at somewhat the same question. What do we do? How do we move forward? Do I believe that we can move forward? My answer to them was yes. My answer to you tonight, Alex, will be the same. I do believe we can move forward and I am optimistic about what that region looks like moving forward. You know, the DA has kind of been a big topic right here in New York City. How has Saivan's been doing with the district attorney position and whatnot? And are they helping... In, in the cases of those who are wrongfully accused, how big of a role does a district attorney play? Like, I'm sure you're looking at that race from that perspective, right? I am. I am. I, absolutely. And and what I, I often ask people to do is to engage the process. That's what I've decided to do, to engage the process. I've been in, uh, engaged in uh, Rich Fennery is one of the individuals running for Missouri attorney general down there. And so I participated in one of his public forums. And then I did a one-on-one with Rich Fennery about what our, what our next attorney general should be doing in office. Uh, I sat uh, again with the ACAU sat down and co-moderated with uh, 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 Justice Gasson. And we talked about what, are what we expect. And then the community was invited to that forum as well. And, 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 and we was able to have a discussion with them as it relates to what we can expect coming from our district attorneys. Uh, and some of that is integrity. For me, it's integrity in your advocacy. When I do certain presentations, when I speak, whether I'm physical or doing virtuals, I've done many talks about the integrity in your advocacy, whether you're a judge, whether you're a criminal defense lawyer, or whether you're a prosecutor, it's going to be important to have, to bring with you in that office, integrity and truth, 
transparency, and accountability. If they do that coming into the office, there's going to be areas where we can agree and disagree, but at least you hold the weight of those four things, integrity, transparency, accountability, um, and then, of, of course, doing the right thing by the people who put you there in the first place. So then that leads me to, because, you know, you're talking about this, we're talking about Kansas City, but are you helping or looking at helping this process along nationally, like going to other DA races and saying, hey, let's evaluate this before we make a decision? That is the goal. I'm glad you asked the question because actually that is what Freedom Lap 2020 is about. This is a concept here. This 11 state, 4,500 mile, that's a concept. It's a small bite kind of sort of to see if it can work, to see if you like it. And if it is, then you take a bigger bite. And so for 2021, we plan to take a bigger bite. I wasn't really prepared to uh, speak on it yet, but I can. Uh, I'm comfortable that we can do it. And we already began to hear from certain individuals who want to see Freedom Lap go into 2021 and stretch out to where we've been a little bit more precise. This round, uh, 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 Alex, what we're doing is basically hitting these states, whether we interact with people or not, just highlighting the fact that innocence is across the country here in the United States. No state is unaffected by it. That's what this one was uh, designed to do. And if we had the opportunity to meet with different officials, then that would be cool. COVID-19 is in place. And some of our uh, commitments have backed down, um, and understandably so. For example, we were supposed to meet with the Georgia Innocence Project uh, uh, staff today, at least one of them. Uh, but we had a discussion, a couple of things that come up, and out of abundance of caution, what we decided to do is go ahead and turn that into a virtual event. COVID is kind of in the way a little bit now as far as doing what you're talking about doing. But for 2021, we're talking about sending teams out, teams that's going to hit these three or four states. We're going to be hitting these six states. But when we go there, we're actually going to be engaging district attorneys, city councilmen, state representatives, and entities of such to where we can really begin to snuff out who's who in these offices and highlight what they're doing or what they're not doing. So that so so hopefully if they're not doing it, they can pay the political price when it comes next election cycle. That's what we really plan to do. Other than that, it's just fodder. Other than that, it's just gibberish and it's entertainment. And that's not what we're trying to do over here. We 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 need change, but we need it to be real change. So I'm glad you asked that question, my friend. What? I'm glad you um, said it's not all about fun because I have this. I, I have to believe, though, that doing this freedom tour is fun because you're working on all this other stuff. Hey, at least you can talk with people. You seem to be very energized by that. So is the lap is the freedom lap tour, which I guess you do at the end of the day, a good way to wind down and say, hey, you know what? This was a busy day, but I love connecting with people more so than what maybe I'm doing during the day, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. This is uh... I looked at Don earlier today and I said it can uh, have its certain stress points and it's, it's, it's constantly moving. Constant things are every day. We are looking at the map every day to make sure COVID map 
to make from the uh, New York Times. So, and it keeps track, not just what states are the hotbeds, but where counties are the hotbeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, then, and then what are the travel guidelines and restrictions? Can we even go there? And if we go there, in fact, Chicago was the first trip and we had to take it off the map because they had a strict guideline in place that if you come here, you're going to have to quarantine for 14 days. New York had the same travel guidelines, so we had to take New York off the map. It is constantly moving, constantly evolving. We're responding to emails. We're responding to comments. It, it, and we're talking to partners. We're talking to sponsors. Uh, it's a lot, but I wouldn't see my – I cannot see myself doing anything different. Well, you know, you said New York is off the grid for you for the moment, but it's really not because here we are. I'm in New York. We're literally connecting. (laughs) So it it works out. Yes. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. 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 And I'm going to be doing a series or a segment in the coming days uh, called Nothing But the Facts. And we're going to talk about New York. We're going to talk about these states. We're going to talk about, Alex, how last year the National Registry has logged another 147 exonerees after me. And so I was 2,503 on the National Registry of Exoneration. You go there, you'll see my name. It feels so good to be on that uh, uh, website. Sad that other people are not there yet. But since I came home last year, 147 individuals came behind me. 34 states, 34 states had exonerated individuals. Six here, seven there, 14 there. And New York is uh, among one of the highest states of releasing exonerees. I'm going to be unpacking some of that in the days ahead and talking about what are some of the underlining, because each state has different problems. Some have public defender, uh, failed public defender system problem. Some has uh, 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 bad science, uh, junk science problems. And so they all have, some have, many of them have official misconduct. In fact, most exonerations, period, and last year are a result of official misconduct. That's the prosecutor, the judge, or the police officers engaging in misconduct resulting in the wrongful conviction and the subsequent exoneration. So we're going to be unpacking a lot of that. It's going to be nothing but the facts. I don't think people are going to want to miss it because, and, and, and the information isn't my information. It's actually out there. It's scattered a little bit here. It's in a report over there. But when I was in prison, I used to study. I had volumes of books and of papers. Right. I studied this stuff. I couldn't do nothing with it then. I was still shackled. I was handcuffed and shackled. But now I can actually do something with that information, take my 23-year experience with the facts that other people have produced, but it's usually scholars. maybe they're not as passionate as far as vocal, right? Maybe they speak a little under their breath. So it's their information, but other than putting it out there, they don't have the ability to to inspire people and get them engaged and get Mm. them fired up and actually want to do something. So I feel like we're partners in a sense. They do the studies. I come behind them. I study it myself. I understand it. And then I bring it to the people right now on Freedom Lab 2020 across 11 states, 4,500 miles this Amazing. isn't where it's going to stop. We're going to do it again in 2021. Look out for that. Well, so here in New York, we've been dealing with this bail reform issue, and maybe you have a thought on that. Uh, I do know that it might be a broader brush of who they release, but do you know any insight that maybe the general public does not know? Like, are they really releasing these criminals who are 
killers and or are they releasing the ones that deserve to be exonerated? Ask that question one more time, please. So here in New York, the whole bail reform thing is, yeah, they're releasing a lot of people, some that should be, some that shouldn't be released. So what are the facts saying about New York? Are there actual cases where exonerees are rightly freed? And are there cases where people who should still be in jail are being let out too? Like, have you researched that at all? Because I don't know if that's part of the project that you're working on or not. No, but I, I, I do have a little insight. Uh, I sit in a lot of circles. Uh, virtual. I've been on tons of tons of meetings uh, virtually when it comes to this uh, type of information. And so that's not my area um, of expertise. But what I do know is that there is a problem. There is certainly a problem where we are beginning to succumb to these important issues, but they have a potential backlash. Now, let me be very clear. The people who are supporting the uh, uh, these uh, uh, bail, no bail initiatives, they are right and they are on point. I do believe that. I also believe that sometimes when you take appeal, there is a, a subsequent consequent or, or subsequent consequence to taking that appeal. It may help one thing, but it can cause fatigue. It can cause drowsiness. It may cause an upset stomach. And so I believe that, to your point, that yes, some individuals who probably should not be released are being released back into society, not just with the uh, bail, no bail initiative, but with the COVID-19 pressure. There's been pressure to get rid of these jails to control the spread of COVID-19, and it should be. I am not even saying that it should not be on both. I think both should be pressed and moving forward. But I do want to caution people who understand it, like you do, because you brought it up. Obviously, you understand it, that there is a price to pay, maybe hopefully not as big or as reversing, uh, not as reversing compared to why we let them out, why they should be out, and and the consequence of them reoffending, especially if they're serious offenses. And they're causing more victims in the and past. And I'll be honest, I think asking you is more important than asking like a politician because a politician doesn't know that they just kind of call the shots from a, an ivory tower. You're on the ground. You've been through this. You know who's right, who's wrong. And I, I just thought I'd want your reaction over everybody else's, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And 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 there you have it. Thank you. There you have it. And that's what I always promise to do. One thing, I'm always going to be real. I'm going to be transparent. And then I'm not going to be anybody's. That's my freedom, Alex, to be. I'm just mm-hmm. being honest, to not be anybody's puppet, so to speak, to worry about whether what my right side friends are saying, what my left side friends are saying. I'm really for the truth. I'm really for the, And I do feel like I have a strong sense of intelligence and comprehension. And so I'm usually going to side with the truth, not necessarily with friends or rather to the left or right. Some friends would say, in fact, I have been uh, admonished, pulled to the side, so to speak, and admonished for supporting police or believing that police officers are good police officers. Eh, I stand on that. Uh, I I do believe that we have good police officers. Uh, I believe we have bad police systems in place 
that is a problem. But we have good police officers in this country. I support law enforcement 100%. I don't support bad law enforcement officers. That I do not. I support prosecutors 100%. I do not support bad prosecutors in office. That I do not support. But it is a balanced approach and an educated and intelligent. And I am speaking from experience as well. So I'm glad you see it from that point of view. I do. I'm glad you asked. And Ricky, you just got me fired up again because it's like we we both don't support bad cops, right? We don't want bad cops. So I just feel like the institution could be changed, though, to not support yes. or not back the bad cops. So how do we fix it without totally disbanding it? This is what I'm trying to figure out. Like, there's got to be a better way to say, all right, they do something behind the badge because they know the badge will protect them. Well, what happens if we cut off that protection? How do we do that? How should we do that? Yeah. Uh, for me, I think it's policies um, and I think it's leadership. It's reevaluating what the policies look like, leadership, and then being consistent. Being mm-hmm. consistent is going to be important. I lost 11 times before I finally won the one time. It was being consistent, persistent, uh, and then pushing so to speak. We have to be pushy about this. The community got to continue to speak up and speak out. But it's the leaders. Listen, you are the new chief of police and you are telling us that you are not going for it or you're going to have to find somewhere else to work. When it comes from the top and they know that they're, that that the, the chief is not going to go for this, that the mayor is not going to allow the chief to go for this, then you can begin to change. It's not going to change overnight. That is a promise. Listen, it's almost like a person going on a diet. And, 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 and to lose 60 pounds, you're not going to have to have one good day. You're going to have to have a succession of good days. You're going to have to repeat that over and over, maybe three or four or five months, depending on how much you're trying to lose per month, until you're able to get it to where you need it to be. That's what we're going to that's the type of approach and perspective we're going to need if we're trying to change internally how the police see themselves compared to how we see them from the community, particularly from the black or poor or minority community. So uh, leadership, leadership and policy changes and, 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 and some time. And I think we can get the job done. Ricky, last time we talked, we didn't get to your book, but I really want to because that was going to be part of this conversation. So a lot of this stuff that you're, a lot of these policies, a lot of these ideas you're talking about, I'm sure you've written in your book. So tell me about that. Cause for a backstory, he was in prison for 23 years, wrongfully accused. And yet he wrote page after page. He did playwright. He was a playwright. He worked on a play. I mean, Ricky kid wasn't just sitting there. He was researching. He researched the law and he wrote a book out of this too. So tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny. You're sitting here uh, with me right now, Vivid Expressions, A Journey Inside the Mind of the Innocent. It was really written so that I can find a place to let these emotions and expressions out. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was never meant to be shared initially. It was only later uh, in the much, 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 much later part that I realized that. And then people kept asking. I started getting interviews and people started asking me, what was it like? What is it like? being wrongfully convicted. And I said, you know what? Here it is right here. This is what it's like. That's why it's called Vivid Expressions, mm-hmm. A Journey Inside the Mind of an Innocent. Most people don't, well, some people, or not everybody, rather, is into poetry. Uh, and, and that's fine. But the book is designed to take you inside and answer the questions, what it's like. It is going to tell you what it's like. 
when a daughter's birthday come and you're not there, mm. when you get denied an appeal, when you're suffering under racism and oppression, when you're feeling lonely, when your heart is broke, when you find love, when you think you found love, it's going to take you inside what it's actually like. And more importantly, the first part, Alex, is the first 10 years. The second part is the last 10 years. And so it actually has a maturation going on there. You're going to see and watch the evolution of an innocent person go from a, 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 an adolescent, so to speak. I was 21 when I was charged. I was 45 when I was released. So you're going to see the depth of the first chapter or the, the, of, of uh, part one compared to part two. And it's really intriguing. I really encourage people, if you have not read uh, Vivid Expressions, A Journey Inside the Mind of Innocence, it's on Amazon.com. It's only $10. It's going to be a good read. I promise you're going to find something to inspire you inside there. I read it still. It's here. And it wasn't here. So I did not know you was going to ask that question. But I always keep it near because I read from it from time to time. A, to remind me where I came from. B, because there's stuff in here that still inspires me. So You are hitting such a nail on the head right here because, as you know, so this is like my first time in public wearing this because I've been home. But I'm like, you know, I'm interviewing Ricky. I got to spread the resilience around. Yet today I didn't feel that resilient. I thought that was the most ironic thing. Today was a day of all days. I didn't feel resilient. I didn't feel um, like I was empowered. I sort of felt like I was still the butt of all jokes because I'm posting all my thoughts on my Instagram. And I'm like, what are people thinking about this? Like I got into my mind a little bit. So then I'm reminding myself, you know, I myself had tubes down my throat when I was a few, you know, 77 days old because I was in the ICU for all those days. So as the day went on, I'm like, why am I worried about how I sound? Thank God I could talk. Thank God I could move. And thank God I've had all this other stuff. But I want to turn this to you. Do you ever find a day where you're wearing resilience but not feeling resilient? And does that book or what do you do to get yourself back in that I got this mindset? I do. I absolutely do, Alex. Um, I'm just now on this tour I began on some of those drives to these different states, I just began opening up and be making myself vulnerable. I usually speak from an academic point of view. I can hit you with numbers, stats, and facts. Uh, but I've been really cuffing what it was like, actually, other than what's in this book, and then what it's been like for me since I've been home, that more than anything. Um, and there is times. There is definitely times where I'm wearing the resilience shirt and I'm not feeling so resilient. Um, what do I do during those moments? Mm -hmm. I remember the times. I remember what I've been through. And then I tell myself that I've already experienced this and I've conquered it already. Mm. That is the truth. That is not make-believe. That is not a placebo. I have already conquered this emotion and feeling. You have too, my friend. It's not comfortable, um, especially after we have been removed from it for months or maybe years at a yeah. time. Uh, so it's frightening at times. Uh, it can be uh, paralyzing. It can be debil debilitating. But we have to remind ourselves, you know what? I've already conquered this feeling. I've already conquered this emotion. Uh, and, 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 and truly, if a lot of people stop to do that and put it in perspective, they will walk away understanding, you know what? That is true. I have already, I've, I've been through this before. Let me just say real quick. Yeah. 
when I was in prison, that happened a lot. Mm. I would get to way, way far more than out here now. And I have to remind my, I say, I can't do another five years. I can't do another two years, so to speak. My lawyers tell me it's going to be another 24 months, 26 months at least before the next appeal. Um, and I'm thinking, I'm telling them I can't do it. And I'm telling them adamantly as they're sitting across the table that I can't do it. And they're saying, we're going to work as fast as we can. Maybe 21, they'll try to bring it down five months if we're lucky, Ricky. But, mm-hmm. and so I'll walk back to the housing unit from the visiting room and I'm thinking, and I'm telling myself, man, I can't do it. I'm breaking down, man. I can't do it. I can't, I, I can't do it. The other part of myself who already understands it says, you've already been doing it. You already been doing it. I'm eight years in, I'm 11 years in, I'm 14 years in. You've already done, if you have to do two more years, you already done 14. You proved it to yourself. You proved it to yourself that you have the ability to overcome and conquer the space, that mental space that Mm. we find ourselves in. And so that's what I do, Alex. I would encourage you to try it a little bit more. And anybody listening who is going through something, who's already been through something, just go back to the reality that you've conquered. It's it's far harder for the person who's going through something for the first time. Like a little girl who goes through a heartbreak for the first time. She don't know what to do. It's her first little heartbreak, her first little crush at school. It's devastating. But when you already have a frame of reference, I've been here before. I know that I've been here before. Sometimes it's a little different because challenges and difficulties come different. They look different. Uh, but it's all the same, the ability to overcome them. We just have to summons that, summons that part of ourselves, summons the resilience in us to step back up. Don't just wear the shirt, but walk in it. Don't just walk in your resilience, but wear your resilience. That's what we tell people all the time. So it's interchangeable. When I'm wearing a shirt and I'm not feeling it, I have to remind myself when I'm not wearing a shirt, I have to remind myself that it's not what's on me. It's actually what's in me. Mm. And uh, that's why I gained the strength to come back on. Like, all right, so my voice may not have been sounding good this time, but I'm not stopping. That won't stop me. So thank you for inspiring me today and uh, feeling it. Now, one other thing about your resilience, which I think we should highlight again for those who may be just joining us for the first time. You dropped a bottle of pills in prison because you knew God was calling you to do so and that you had a lot to live for. So I know when you say, yeah, I can't do this another couple of years or whatever. I also know the side that said, I can do this. I'm going to drop the pills now and just focus on me. Tell me about that story again. Yeah, sure. So I was fresh in prison a year or so in life without the possibility of parole. I'm 22 at this point. How am I going to possibly do life without the possibility of parole? I recognize early on that the system did not work for me. Mm. I had a public defender. I'm on appeal, early appeal. They gave me another public defender, an appellate public defender, a trial public defender. Now you're giving me an appellate public defender. I'm in trouble. And I Mm. know I'm in trouble. And I'm understanding quickly and fast that, oh, it's going to take money, money that I didn't have. And it's going to take strength, strength that I thought at the time I did not have. Mm. It was my first real trouble. It was my first real trouble that I just talked about. And so I had no frame of reference. I hadn't been through nothing of that magnitude. So there was no well to dig out from. There was no well to dig from, so to speak. And so 
I seriously contemplated committing suicide. I seriously contemplated committing suicide to where I was taking these psychotropic meds. They was giving me 50 milligrams of Cinequan, I believe it was. And then I would tell the doctor that, and it slows your respiratory system down, makes you relax and ease and breathe. And I would tell the doctor, you know what, this isn't working. And that just bumped me up to 100. Boop. And I tell them that's not working. They bump me up to 150. Boop. And I tell them, you know what? I'm just not quite feeling it. Sure. Bump me up to 200. Boop. But once I got to 200, I figured I'll take 200, save them times 30 days. That's 6,000 milligrams of this stuff. Now, 200, I tried it. I took a 200 and it's pretty much put me down. So I'm thinking 6,000 milligrams of this and I'm out of here. It's just going to slow my respiratory system down to where it shuts down. I'm done. It's over. I can't do it. I won't do it. My cellmate had moved, uh, which always kind of kept an eye on me. So he was out the equation. The guards had did a round uh, doing uh, uh, checks, and then they won't be back for 30 minutes to an hour. So I pulled the pills out. I'm ready to take these pills. I'm about to call it quits tonight. I'm about to call it quits right now. But as I dug out the pills from my little stash, my hands began to shake. They're in my hands. My hands begin to shake. They're falling on the floor, all over on the floor. They're falling, uh, and I'm crying. One of my hardest cries ever. I'm crying. I fall to the floor. The pills is there. I'm there. Tears from the nose. It was horrible. Uh, it was a bad scene. It was a bad scene. And then I felt like I heard God's voice say, get up. Like a father. Get up. Like a, get, get off that floor. Get up. And I'm telling you, that is what it felt like. And I got up like I was listening. And like, and, and I knew it. I don't feel like it was my voice. I don't, because that's what I was ready to do. And I got up. It's almost like an audible sound. And I, I always tell people, I don't know if you ever heard God's voice. And, and, and it's not always audible, but it is clear, though. It is mm -hmm. clear because it was not me. And I got up. He said, now pick those pills up. And I picked the pills up. Now flush them down the toilet. Almost like I waited for the next instruction. And I flushed them down the toilet. So now look in the mirror. And I looked in the mirror. Now clear your face. And I cleared my face. So now go out there and be Victor, be a victor and not a victim. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what I did. That is exactly how it happened. And again, I waited. Every time I did one thing, it's like I waited for what the next instruction was. That's what I did. From that point, I never looked back. Uh, for uh, well, for the most part, I never looked back. There was a couple other times where I had suicidal ideations, but for, again, I had something to go off of. Remember what I just told you? I had mm -hmm. something to go off of. So anytime it showed up again, I said, I, 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 "I've already conquered you. What are you doing here? You've been defeated." But challenges and difficulties are trying to come again, and they'll trick you like you've seen them for the first time. You'll forget that you've seen them before, and you can, if, if, if not careful, you can succumb to them. But just remind yourself, I've seen you before. I've defeated you already. Get out of here. And it really did work for me. It really did work. Well, it's funny. It's, it's very interesting you mentioned that because to me, like criticizing my own voice, I've never done that. So that was the first kind of feeling of ever feeling like, not sounding good and now that i'm hearing you out i'm like okay well if that thought comes about get rid of it there's nothing to worry about who really cares what it sounds like just as long as it's saying something that people should be hearing i guess i don't alex, know alex uh -huh. alex let me tell you my man 
I don't even think my voice is all the way together, to be honest with you. When I was young, they used to, and, and I used to call uh, 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 on the phone. They would say, yes, ma'am. And, and I always called me a ma'am. And they, they thought my voice sounded like a female. Um, and over the years, it didn't change as much. Every now and then, I could kind of make it go deep. What you're doing? But really, that's not my voice. Uh, this is my voice. But I'm going to tell you, it's funny that you mentioned this. What I discovered, it is not the sound of my voice. It is the impact of my words. It is not the sound of my voice. You didn't know it. Me and you didn't talk. You didn't know that I suffered for many years and it used to hit me a little bit. In fact, I did not want to call people on the phone. I used to say, uh, here, you call them because I didn't want them to run the risk of them thinking that I sounded girly. Wow. It bothered me. It bothered me so much that I would, nope, I didn't want to talk on the phone. Um, later, I discovered that it was not how my voice sound, but it is the words, the impact of the words that come from my mouth. You, my friend, have been doing this for years. We know, if people don't know Alex Garrett's story, Google him or go to his YouTube channel and find out who he is. This is not just a regular guy. Uh, he's far from regular. Uh, people need to know who you are and, 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 and where you've been. In fact, want you, I want you to give, if you will, Tell them the show that you was on when you was just a child, but you were still finding your voice early on. Please do that for me. You Please. mean Regis Philbin? And, uh, yes. Yeah, and that yes. whole story. I actually exhausted a lot of my airtime for this story because Regis did bring me into the world of media, so to speak, right? So I meet him up at George Simoner Suite at Yankee Stadium, and he ends up, uh, wanting me on the show. Well, first of all, President Trump took a picture before he was president of Regis Philbin and I in the booth at Yankee Stadium. And then Regis and I developed this friendship along with Trump. And then the Yankees win it. Aaron Boone, who, by the way, is an incredible manager for the Yanks, he hit the game winner against the Red Sox. Now, it's about 1 or 2 in the morning. I'm all set to go to school the next day when Regis, and I remember this happening, he turns to my dad and I, I think he was in a swivel chair at George Simon's suite eating some food. Anyway, he turns to me and says, I want you on the TV, on the show tomorrow. And it's like two in the morning. How are we going to get this all done? How am I going back to school? Well, we go in, we get set. I meet Dustin Hoffman before the show starts. Then I just remember walking in there and then I started talking sports with Regis. And, you know, to me, I didn't think I was on national television. I just knew I was there to just talk and talk about, have fun about the game. Didn't care about the cameras. I just knew there was... This, I, I didn't ever think of it that way. I, I always thought it was like, cool, I'm invited to this. I'll just be on this and that. And then when I started to see the obituary and see how Regis was honored, it hit me even harder how much it meant for him to take time to highlight my story on his show. Like, that is... That's moving when you think about it at it age moving. 28 over age 11. So, Regis, we love you and, and uh, thank you for opening your channel to my story and the goodness of George Steinbrenner. So. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Um, ordinary people who end up doing extraordinary things because people often feel, even me, myself, the inner part of me, I'm just an ordinary guy, mm -hmm. but I decided to do extraordinary things. And that's the truth. It's when we decide 
to take our ordinary and do a little something extra, put it in front of ordinary, and then we do or end up doing extraordinary things. I think what you're doing is extraordinary, my friend. I mean that sincerely, wholeheartedly. Uh, you're using your voice for positive impact, uh, no matter how it sounds. You can't go wrong with that. Just try to remember that next time you're questioning the sound of your voice or the quality of your voice. It's not measured by how it sounds. It's measured by what comes out. And one last thing, again, it's no accident. You and I are wearing the same I Am Brazilian shirt. There's no accident there, you know? Yeah. We didn't yes. even plan it. It just is oh, godly no. right there, actually. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Continue to walk in your resilience, Alex, and continue to share your voice with other people so that they can walk in there. It's the same thing that I'm doing as that well. And please come back with more information you got for us as the tour, maybe even as the tour wraps up, give us a recap. What did you learn? Are you, do are you documenting this? Are you writing it down? Are you oh, yeah. journaling yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have tons of footage. I mean, tons. We can't even unpack it all. Uh, I mean, we have tons of footage. This within itself can turn out to be a nice uh, uh, documentary. That's how much footage we have. That hasn't even been made available. So, and, well, I was and say, can I we will. find out more about it? Like, what website can we go to and whatnot? You can go to uh, Ricky Kid. You can go to resiliencemode.com. Uh, resiliencemode.com. There, you will uh, be able to uh, learn more about what we're doing. But you also can go to uh, Don. Haven't get that. We haven't published uh, yet. The Freedom Up um, is not published. No, right. But they can go to Ricky Kid. IAR on Facebook or Instagram and stay connected there. All of the lives, the daily lives that we go three times a day, and then we also post other videos that can be found on Facebook at Ricky Kid IAR. Okay. And at Ricky Kid ER. Yeah. Right. And then, yep. And then soon we'll have um, the, the website itself would actually begin to feed people that information maybe by the close of the week. Yeah. I think so. We've been working on that in the background. We are constantly busy doing the work. Yeah, yeah. Click Freedom Lap Tour and it'll take them to all of that. But for now, Ricky Kid IAR on Facebook, people can learn uh, the latest and uh, uh, get caught up on that. Uh, th this amazing tour, this ex th th these exciting things that we're mm. doing and bringing awareness across the country to the silent crisis of wrongful conviction. And I would love to have you back on to talk about that in about a month or two from now, if, you, if, you, if you're down for that. I am. I am definitely down. Just call me. Uh, let's stay in contact. Uh, and then I'm going to get to New York. So we're going to get to uh, New, New York. I really was bummed out, to be honest. I really, mm. really wanted to get there. I really, really wanted to hit Chicago up. I had to take those two off for now, but we're going to get there. So I'll be seeing you face-to-face -face, uh, before it's too long. One last question, because I'm going to do a whole thing on this tomorrow. Um, I've been thinking of God's green light lately. So I take this picture, and all that's in there is like the Chrysler building, but straight row of green lights. I'm like, that's God saying, just keep going. And so do you ever feel like that, that God's always giving you this green light to keep moving forward? Yeah, 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 I, I do. And I'll just say uh, briefly, as, as I can, since I've been home, I usually have the vision before I have the rest of the stuff in place. I usually have the vision. Uh, and, and, and if I stop too long because the rest of the stuff are people, mm -hmm. much fuller team, is not in play, then I can get bummed out. But with what you just saying, those green lights, 
He'll give me green lights. I like that. He'll give us green lights. And Don and I are really strongly spiritually uh, connected. He'll give us green lights to keep going. And you know that you're in that car and you're going. Uh, and then he'll just turn that red light green. He'll mm -hmm. turn that red light. You're thinking, uh-oh, here go a series of red lights. And before you know it, they're turned green and you end up not stopping. That's really is what kept this train moving, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, in my life. This year-long journey, it's been nothing but green lights for me. That's powerful. Maybe we need to unpack that at another time during another segment. But I definitely feel like it's been nothing but green lights. Even when I saw red lights, as I was approaching the red light, they always turn green. And mm. that's what had me here almost a year later, uh, marking this uh, 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 one year of freedom and talking to you tonight, Alex, in the audience. Ricky, God bless you, man. And I hope you have a great one year anniversary. What you got planned? Yeah, we're going to do a virtual event. We're going to do a virtual event. Um, it's going to uh, be nice. It's designed to be intimate. Some uh, friends and supporters will be invited uh, so that it, 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 it just don't get too crowded. We're going to have some uh, prayer uh, opening that. We're going to have some acknowledgments, some remarks uh, from individuals. Then we're going to, uh, so, yes, yeah, so, uh, uh, one of our exoneree friends, May Jacob, is going to do a song. Uh, nice. Then we're going to have a special release a very, very special release. When I say a very special release uh, with uh, Frank Oakley and I, actor, Netflix star, Frank Oakley III and I teamed up yesterday. We did an interview, but we also did something very special. I mean, special. And we're going to do a sneak peek of what that is uh, during the celebration. I'll say a few words. We'll close out with a virtual toast. Uh, wow. So everybody will have the opportunity, whether it's water, whether it's grapefruit juice or whether it's an alcoholic beverage, I'll let those who intend to choose, uh, Don and I uh, choose non-alcoholic uh, over here, but we're going to celebrate, we're going to toast and then close out. It's going to be special though. Uh, and then it's going to be uh, something that we may have an opportunity to share afterwards or add to the documentary uh, that we're working on. Oops, did I huh. say that? <laughs> did it's I say that? Podcasting, it's all good. Um, <laughs> Well, hopefully I get to see that on Saturday. I'd love to, or when, uh, yeah, I guess it's a few days from now, so. Yeah. Oh, you want to come? I would love to. If you, if you want oh, me there, I'll, okay. I'll be there. Okay. You're available, Alex? You're such a hot commodity. What? Uh, we'll figure that out off air, but definitely we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch about that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I love you, Ricky. You are a good yes. man, and yes. thank you for man. coming you back on. Yeah, sure thing. Guys, take care. Stay safe until we talk again. And keep going. Keep yes, going. Yeah, Freedom Lap 2020. Here we come. There Here we, we go. Come. I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.